0: Our first reading this morning comes from the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verses 25 through 32. But First let's look to God in prayer. Gracious God we come here this day seeking you and seeking your word. We pray that as we hear your word read and proclaimed the same spirit that inspired the writers to record these words would illumine our hearts and minds today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen for the word of the Lord. So then putting away falsehood, falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come from your mouth, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you are marked with the seal of the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: And welcome to all of you. Second reading, the Gospel of Mark, the third chapter. Again, Jesus entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, come forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at the hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored And the Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. This is the word of the Lord. I've got a simple principle. If you tell me what ticks you off, I'll tell you what makes you tick. You'll have to think about that. If you tell me what drives you to anger, I'll tell you what's driving your life and what you truly value. This woman came to see me. She was expressing her concern. She would felt very depressed. She was edgy. As I listened, I said, well, what has made you so angry lately? And she looked at me aghast. She said, angry? I never get angry. She was irritated with me for suggesting that she was not in complete control. So I decided to put it another way. So has anything upset you lately? And she kind of relaxed a little bit. So, well, yes, but I never get angry. And she glanced down at my desk and she said, all they do is take and take and take and all I do is give and give and give. And I have needs, too. She was a walking time bomb waiting to explode. (laughs) Neglected by her husband, used by her children, she had buried her anger and turned it inward. Now maybe she'd been told as a kid that nice girls don't get angry. But I'm for one am glad that Jesus never said that nice Christians don't get angry. There is a proper time and a proper place for anger as you see. What ticked Jesus off but honestly was religion hard-hearted self-righteous people who had just enough religion to be dangerous but not enough to be effective the pharisees today one of many other stories i could quote used this man with a withered hand who had been helpless most of his life as a prop as a pawn in their little game And they turn his healing into a public spectacle, quibbling over the Sabbath. And Jesus says so, which is lawful, to do on the Sabbath, good or evil, to save life or to kill. And I picture that sanctuary, it was like church on Easter Sunday. Nobody said a word, nobody moved an inch. It was packed. People waited on pins and needles. What would Jesus do, violate the rules or heal this man? The text says he is grieved, and that's putting it in Greek, and that's putting it mildly. He's angry by their their insensitivity. And you you can almost imagine his anger churning and burning before he even gets to 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 the real point of the story. I picture a glare on his face. Maybe glare is too soft a word to describe it. He stares at them. The thing is, it's not them. We know people like them. We may be people like them. They're too wound up. They're wound up so tight they're ready to blow. They fly off the handle. Minor irritations. Their plans get changed. A car cuts in front of them. Someone doesn't agree with their way of thinking. They're angry. But they get angry for the wrong reasons. Jesus got angry for the right reasons. His anger was righteous and justified. He didn't get mad at wrongs done to him, or we wouldn't be sitting here. He he reserved his anger for the wrongs done to others. It was other-centered and driven by love. Face it, much of our anger is self-centered, driven by temper. Now, let me say up front, anger isn't sinful. It's a normal part of life. There are no sinful emotions, but there are sinful uses of emotions. The reason anger scares us is that it leads so easily to rage and people out of control. And we have enough of that. Somebody said people who fly into rage always make bad landings. How many bad landings have you made? When did anger cause you to say or do things you regret? It's hard to keep count, isn't it? Now, many people go the other way. They try to keep a lid on things. They, 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 they hide, bottle up their anger inside till it comes out the wrong way. That is unhealthy for many reasons because anger is kind of like acid. It does more damage to the vessel in which it is stored than on the object to which it is poured. It can ruin us holding it inside can ruin us venting it in the wrong ways toward others can ruin them so the issue is how do we manage our anger before it manages us I saw a cartoon young boy kneeling at his bed his parents have sent him to bed early as punishment he's saying his prayers the prayer is God please take away my temper and while you're at it take away my parents tempers too may have been my kids. God won't take away our temper, but what God will do is help us to learn how to express anger appropriately without losing our temper. Jesus always, no matter what situation he was in, stayed calm and centered. He sought to fix the problems rather than the blame. Now, you may tell me about the money changers and how he went wild that day. Yes, he drove the money changers out of God's house for turning it into a den of thieves. But it wasn't a tantrum. He had seen them many times before. Imagine how angry he might have become for their desecrating the temple for gain. A man walked with his best friend to a newsstand. You remember when they sold newspapers? It was a newsstand he stopped every day same one this guy was always rude friend as they walked away said why do you keep going back there and have that man treat you that way and he looked at his friend and said why should I let him decide how I'm going to react you can take that one home Jesus never let others dictate what he would do how he would React. His anger was always focused on healing, what was wrong, not venting emotions and, and, and frustrations. Here is a good test to see if you're managing your anger okay. Did you leave a situation better than you found it? I'm afraid to answer that in some cases. Jesus left situations better than he found them. Mismanaged anger can, can ruin a lot of things. You ever notice that there's only one difference, one letter's difference between danger and anger? That ought to tell you something. Whatever may prompt your anger, there would be a warning God would give you. Beware. Getting angry isn't a sin, but staying angry is. Getting angry is a sign that we're alive, that we care deeply about life. or or a relationship, that we are committed to righting some wrong, but staying angry, that's a different matter. That's a sign that we've stopped caring, that we've become resentful. Two survivors of Nazi concentration camps, and they're all just about gone now. The talk took a serious turn. The one man asked his friend if he had forgiven the Nazis yet. He said, yes, I did that a long time ago. The other guy said, I haven't. I still hate them as much as I did then. And His friend looked at him and said, well, they still have you in their prison. And that's exactly what happens to us. That was Paul's concern, reaching out to the church at Ephesus. We ought to give anger a term limit and a short lifespan. He writes, be angry, but do not let the sun go down on your anger. Get angry. It may be very justified, but get over it. Get beyond it. Don't let the sun go down on it. Lest, Paul says, you give the devil a foothold in your life. Imagine that. That we might invite evil into our lives by letting bitterness and resentment smolder like a volcano within us, waiting to erupt to spew hate on some unsuspecting person. A man and his wife were having dinner. A friend passed by. They invited him to sit down and join them. They talked a while, the wife continuously complaining about this or that, this or that. She got up to go to the restroom. And the husband said, You'll have to excuse my wife. She's a producer. And the friend said, A producer? What does she produce? And he said, She manufactures her own bitterness. And she's not alone. Now, understand this. God doesn't want us to lose our capacity for anger. But to reserve it for the right causes and reasons. You show me a person who has no anger. And I'll show you a person who has one foot in the grave already. Whose conscience is dead. In our society, it is worth remembering that God still has anger and wrath. God hasn't lost his capacity for anger. God is still offended by the sinful things we mortals keep doing. Or do we presume that God winks at adultery? Do we presume that God snickers at murder? Do we think that God looks at the wrongs we do and chuckles when we let greed, anger run our lives, when we manipulate other people to get ahead? Does God shrug his almighty shoulders when people are cruel to each other? I say to you, no, God can get angry. But what does God do with his anger? That's the issue. Since God cannot overlook our sins and our mistakes, instead he gives us a clean state when we come to him. Since a holy God cannot dismiss our wrongs, he assumed them and nailed him to the cross of his son. The next time you get real hot and angry, nail it to the cross of Jesus and ask yourself this, does it belong there? Is this anger righteous and just and appropriate enough to be pinned on Jesus? The answer may very well be yes, or it very well could be no father caught his son lying, took away his privileges, but nothing worked. One day he caught him in a big lie. He and his friends had broken into a school and stolen supplies. The case was taken to court. The father sensed his anger building as the court date arrived, and he wanted his son to learn a lesson. That night before the trial, he screamed at his son and walked out of the room to cool down before he said too much and then in what he hadn't planned he sat down on the top step weeping praying to god that he would guide his son to learn interestingly afterwards the the trial the son's lying stopped he graduated from high school and college and became an outstanding adult one day he got a phone call his father had suddenly died and he rushed home to be at the funeral the topic of the son's lying came up in conversation and he told his mother what finally got to me wasn't his yelling and his threats I deserved all of that but it was hearing him weep outside my door that made me crumble and imagine what God does with his anger